You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Okay, everyone. Today we have Munjol Shah, who is the co-founder and CEO of Health IQ, which I'm going to let him explain a little better. But uh, my take on it is it's an insurance company rewarding those with healthy lifestyles. So runners, cyclists, weightlifters, yogis, vegetarians, and well-managed diabetics and more and more than that. So uh, first and foremost, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So yeah, why don't you give us a little background, kind of tell us uh, what your story is and, and who you are? Yeah, so I'm a serial entrepreneur. This is actually my third company. I advise and have helped to start a bunch of others, but this is the third one that I have run, kind of built and run myself. I actually came to this company a bit of an accident. You know, sometimes you always say, find your mission in life, and everybody gives entrepreneurs that advice, which honestly I hate. (laughs) It's just one of these like platitudes that everybody hears but doesn't really know what to do with. And I actually would say it was a little bit the opposite. I didn't find my passion. My passion found me. Um, So I had sold my last company to Google in 2010, and it was a good exit. And we had worked, you know, for a long time actually trying to build that company. And the deal closed on a Friday in August of 2010. And the very next day, I was running a 10K race. So I had periodically signed up for races. I wasn't super fit, but I had been a runner in high school and just tended to run. And in the middle of it, I ended up with chest pains and ended up in the ER. And I was 37 at the time. It was, you know, kind of what should have been the day after the best day of my work professional career, where I'd reached this really important milestone, especially here in Silicon Valley, selling your company is, you know, something that a lot of entrepreneurs dream of. And I'd worked 80 hour weeks for kind of 10 years. And Next thing I know, I'm in the ER. <laughs> and my father had his first heart attack in his mid-40s, so it was a little earlier than he had had. It didn't end up being a heart attack, but it ended up being something pretty significant. And that led me to change my health, lose 40 pounds, and, and that was my wake-up call. And then I said, well, if I'm going to build another company and I'm going to work hard at it, I want it to be you know, something that really can have the same sort of impact on the world and hopefully help somebody else avoid kind of a similar situation to the one that I found myself in. And that's why I started Health IQ. And and, uh, that's why we really realized that health was two parts. It was the cards you're dealt with, which you can't always control. Like, obviously, I didn't have great cards. But there's, you know, how you play the hand you're given. And I mean, I was not somebody that was playing my hand very well before I, I went through that health crisis. I used to, from when I was a kid to literally 37 years old, I ate one of the following every single day, cinnamon rolls, apple jacks, pop tarts, frosted flakes. Um, you know, I mean, I got to admit, there's times I was like, oh, that was a good living. <laughs> but it wasn't terribly healthy. And it was, you know, really kind of a lack of education on my part, a lack of awareness, and honestly, a lack of action. And so we said, hey, can we find a way to separate the part of health you do control from the heart of health you don't control? And can we give discounts to people really for being health conscious? and for really taking an active uh, effort around their health. I love it. So how does this business work? How do you guys make money? So what we've done is constructed unique insurance products together with carriers, but we used our own special kind of big data to do that. So the company has really built what's called an actuarial table, really a risk table. And we've, you can't just say vegans die less, they should get a lower rate. You got to know exactly how much they die less. 
they die only 10% less and you give them 20% off, you kind of still lose your shirt, right, over time and end up bankrupt. And so you really got to get this precise calculation of how much less to give each group and how much less to give even the people within those groups that are in sub buckets. And so we sell the insurance and the carriers pay us basically a broker's commission for that. We are now in some cases selling our own products as well alongside, but you know, usually that's because there's a gap that you know there's a carrier that's not providing a special rate to some subgroup. And so we go and make sure that subgroup has a it has the same opportunity to save money. And so but we get paid that. We've done $30 billion in coverage already. I mean, it's probably one of the fastest, if not the fastest growing life insurance company in the US. And we're expanding that product line as well. So we don't just do life insurance today. We sell disability insurance and uh, shortly are going to start selling uh, some other products as well. That's awesome. And you guys have raised, it seems like 136 million bucks to date. Yeah, we've raised a lot of money. <laughs> so, but you know, as I always tell a lot of entrepreneurs, raising money is not success. Like, you know, investors money is not as good as customer money. <laughs> like, you know, you have a real business when you're making a lot of money because your customers are giving it to you, not because the investors are giving it to you. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's really raising money has been kind of christened by, uh, you know, the tech crunches of the world where it's like, oh, look at you know, $100 million, etc. But yes, agreed, customers, best money. I guess, you know, raising money aside, you talked about, you said it was $300 billion in transactions? $200 billion in coverage. $200 billion in coverage. Got it. Got it. So what other numbers can you share around the company? I mean, I mean, sorry, employees? $30 billion, not $300 billion. $30 billion is not, yeah. Still mm-hmm. huge. So yeah, what other numbers can you share around the business today? Number of employees, etc.? Company is approaching about 250 employees, and we don't share our revenue numbers, but you know they're growing quite large, and kind of the company will reach triple-digit millions in our revenue next year. So it's a real business that's scaling quite well, and um, you know just something that uh, you know we're all just proud of doing. But it's not been an overnight success. I mean, this is now the sixth year of this company. And we started very backwards. Actually, when we started the company, I did not know this was going to be a life insurance company or an insurance company even. We thought we were building a health IQ test. And now that test has been taken 12 million times. And we realized that you know, that test provided us with a way to measure not, again, you know, people's health IQ, their health consciousness and health literacy. And then we were able to correlate that to, to mortality and figure out kind of, you know, how to price this insurance correctly. And so we, we started in the first two years of the company. All it was was a quiz company. People were like, I make money. And I'm like, I don't really know. <laughs> I'll figure it out along the way. And, and then one day, actually, it was an associate at a VC firm we were talking to. We said, you know, you could apply this to life insurance. And I'm like, really? Is that a big market? And like, we hadn't even thought of it. And this guy literally in this one meeting kind of, Said, yeah, you should look into it. And we went home and we researched it. And we're like, oh my God, it's a $138 billion market. Like it's really big and it's a trillion dollars worldwide. And kind of hence, and then we basically pivoted the company to using um, and creating special rate uh, insurance. So did you buy that guy a nice gift? Yeah, you know, um, I tried to let him invest actually. <laughs> he wasn't able to because his fund just didn't do, they did health insurance stuff, but not life insurance stuff at the time. And, but we named a conference room after him <laughs> and I told him anytime he wants to come, like, you know, he should come by and 
So he was not a Silicon Valley guy. He was kind of in another place. And they're like, oh, you know, it's just a different thought process. So. So I, I want to go back to your past real quick. And actually, before I do, you, you talked about, before I lose this one, you said you started a company six years ago as a quiz company. How long do you think it took you to get to a uh, quote unquote product market fit? Once we started selling the insurance, we got it pretty quickly. So, I mean, let's say it was like two years of, we thought we had fit. I mean, we did have fit. We had product market fit. People were taking the quiz. They liked my, finding out their health IQ. By the way, it was a bit of a selection bias. The people who wanted to know their health IQ tended to be the people with good health IQ. So anyways, but that actually means that if we tell you right now you scored in the 80th percentile on your health IQ test, you probably scored even better. <laughs> you probably are in the 95th percentile because the people who took it tended to bias health conscious already. But yeah, it probably took us you know, two years to find a business model. That's probably the way I would say it. The product market fit of the quiz was pretty obvious, but even that took about six months. We pivoted around. We thought we were going to do a blood test, create a FICO score for health using blood tests. And then we launched this quiz one day as for fun with just our friends. And all of a sudden, everybody started sharing it and everybody liked it. We're like, oh, could we do this with an online quiz? So again, you know, we thought we were going to make a blood test-based FICO score to give you discounts in health insurance. We ended up with a online quiz-based system to give you discounts in life insurance. Like we pivoted both parts of the business to kind of get there. And then it just kind of worked after that. Yeah. Uh, the reason I like asking this question is typically because uh, I have a lot of SaaS entrepreneurs on this podcast. And typically product market fit takes about three years, but sometimes you hear different numbers, right? So it depends on the business. But for you guys, two years, which I still think is fantastic. Um, so yeah, by the way, one comment I will say on that. In my last company too, we pivoted. So my last company was called Like.com, the one we sold to Google. And it was a computer vision company where we searched inside of photographs at the color, shape, and pattern of a dress or a handbag and would find you visually similar ones you could buy. So it was an e-commerce kind of uh, platform. And we started that actually as not in anything around commerce. We started it actually as a way to organize your personal photos using face recognition and then realize there wasn't a business. And so kind of both of my companies have been this kind of pivot. And I would tell you that the number one thing I can, people always ask me, they're like, how do you know to pivot? And how did you make it work? And how did you let go of the idea that you started with? Because you normally have such an attachment to it. And I said, you just have to be more interested in being successful than in being right. Like if I could give one thing about the psychology to kind of build good product market fit, it's just be more interested in being successful than in being right. And, and you will find your way to water. I love it. And actually, you teed it up for where I was trying to go. I do want to talk about your past a little bit. So co-founder CEO of Like.com and then co-founder CEO of Andel. Did I pronounce that correctly? Andale. Andale. Like Andale. Andale. Uh, got it, got Andale. it, got it. Sold to Alibaba on the foundation board of El Camino Hospital and then advisor investor in a bunch of these different companies. You got Rocket Fuel, Mebo, who actually I met the Zopam founder last week at a conference. You got <laughs> Swell in there and all these other cool companies all across the board, right? You got TaskRabbit and then there's, it seems like there's some MarTech companies in there too. And you went to UCSD, which is where I went to as well. So go Tritons in addition <laughs> to Stanford. So I'm looking at your resume here. You know, people are probably wondering, how do you become so dynamic where you're advisor in all these different types of companies? They're not like really that similar. And then you decide to keep going after your successful exits. Like, you know, what keeps you going? And if people want to kind of duplicate your success, you know, what else would you have to say to that? So most of my advisory work to these CEOs is in how to you know run an early stage startup, how to create the right financing, how to 
structure the company right, how to put in things that can honestly help you deal with all of the difficulties of that. But they're generic, meaning if you're an enterprise entrepreneur, how you set up your cap table is the same as if you're a consumer entrepreneur. So the advice I'm giving is rarely domain specific. It's more horizontal. There are areas like I do currently advise and invest in a lot of companies around digital health. And obviously there, I I have a domain expertise since I run one of those companies at the moment. But mostly it's in terms of the kind of motivation. I mean, I think, you know, I sold like.com to Google, but really, and it was a great technology. But if you really look at the application, I mean, it was a technology applied to helping people buy handbags better. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, okay, so my legacy in the world is I help people buy handbags better. <laughs> like, not that there's anything wrong with that, <laughs> but like, there's got to be more. I was like, I can contribute more to the world. Like, and hence my focus on health and kind of something with a more meaningful impact. I think the same drive that gets you to that initial success doesn't shut off. And I mean, there are days, I mean, honestly, I've worked like 70 hours, 80 hours a week here at Health IQ for years now. And there are days I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) what am I doing? Like, this is a lot. I traveled a hundred thousand miles in Q1. I traveled another hundred thousand miles in Q2. And that, yeah, you know, (laughs) on one of those flights across the Pacific, I was like, oh God, this is brutal. But I just, you just got to decide, like, do you want to make a difference in the world? And I, you know, I'm still young. I'm 46 years old. I'm not 65 years old. And so for me, I just decided this is something I want to keep doing and keep building as long as I can. Playing the game, right? Yeah. It's something bigger that you got to be after because, you know, it is exhausting, you know, no matter what has happened in the past. So got it. All right. A couple more questions uh, working towards wrapping up now. So what do you think is working really well for you guys in terms of growth today? We have figured out that, again, you know, I always tell everybody, get product market fit right. You can do almost everything wrong and you get product market fit right and you win. You can do everything else right. Build the right sales team, build the right comp plan, build the right marketing program, build the right engineering team, and you don't have product market fit, you still lose. (laughs) And so in insurance, what do people want? They want cheaper insurance. Like, (laughs) that's what they want. It's really simple. Geico has hammered that into every American's head. Five, you know, 15 minutes can save you 15% or more. Like, it's price. They're not like, oh, hey, Geico covers, you know, something that nobody else covers. Like, they're like, no, it's just cheaper. And so I think that that's where we realize that, you know, we've built the actuarial table, the data to be able to price this. And we're growing really fast because, you can shop many other places and you'll keep coming back and be like, oh, Health IQ is the cheapest. Right. Okay. And how about, we talked about before we went live, you, you talked about being proactive in terms of getting ahead of a health crisis. Did you share the story when we went live or was that before? I forget. I shared it as we were talking after we went live. Yeah. So, you know, I had my own health crisis that which led me to start the company. And I think, you know, so many of us today, it's really interesting where we say to ourselves, you know, I don't want to spend any money kind of getting checked out if my insurance won't cover it. And I won't be proactive about, you know, getting this issue checked out or that issue checked out. But, you know, I was telling somebody the other day and I, he's like, oh, I, I don't want to spend that. My insurance won't cover it. I'm like, and yet you'll spend a thousand dollars on your phone. I'm like, you won't do something for your health, but you'll 
buy a phone for that or you'll buy the you and I were talking about the new AirPods for 250 bucks. But, you know, I'm like, this is crazy. You know, here or you'll, you know, buy a new car and spend 3000 extra on leather seats, but you won't spend that money kind of be more proactive about your health. And so I think there's a paradigm shift that we haven't taken where we've said, all right, if insurance will pay for it, we'll do it. If insurance won't pay for it, we won't do it. And that is the wrong approach. Like sometimes you should pay for it. If, if the insurance guys aren't smart enough to want to do something that can improve your quality of health and quality of life, like you spend money on all kinds of things all the time, you know, to the extent you have the means to do it, which not everybody does, but to the extent you have the means to do it, this is, there's a new consumer psychology that I think needs to develop around saying actually, a, you know, a bigger share of your budget should go to this. And maybe you should, you know, not buy both Netflix and Hulu, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> it's very frustrating how people will be like, I can't pay for that. And I'm like, but you have, you know, both Netflix and Hulu, <laughs> which each costs you whatever it is, right? $120 a year, $180 a year. I'm like, spend that $180 differently. So, so I mean, health IQ obviously helps you get, well, I mean, that's kind of, after the fact of you kind of being proactive and continue to be proactive, right? Uh, being active about taking care of your health. But what have you done? Because you talked about, you know, your diet before and then, you know, chest pains. So what did you do? What actions did you take to become a lot more proactive and a lot healthier at, you know, your, your current age right now, 46 years young? Look, a lot of being health conscious is about diet, unfortunately. Like people think it's exercise. I don't have time to exercise, but it's that one second to choose that when you order versus the other thing. And that's really what it takes is that sense of choices. And so, but a lot of it's diet. And so, you know, I, there's a set of things I don't do. I don't drink any soda anymore of any sort. I rarely drink alcohol, even though I know that's quite unpopular and everybody's like that, but I do. I mean, if I'm at a, somebody's wedding and they're toasting, I'll have a few sips of champagne, but I, you know, don't actively drink a ton otherwise. But the other things are, I, tend not to drink uh, juice. And so I really believe in not getting my calories through drinking them. I believe in trying to get my calories through eating them. And most people are like, oh, you know, I, I drank orange juice this morning. It was really healthy. I'm like, oh my God, did you realize there's more sugar in that orange juice than in that Coke? You know, and so there are choices I made like that that moved me away from kind of absorbing calories that would just, you know, slam into your bloodstream and spike your blood sugar really fast. And almost all your juices do that. There's a great video from an endocrinologist, a pediatric endocrinologist at UCSF called Robert Lustig. And so if you haven't watched his video on YouTube, you should watch it. He has some really good work. It's L-U-S-T-I-G is the spelling of his last name. And so he'll talk to you about the fact that, you know, we're meant to get you can eat fruit, but eat it together with the fiber that comes with the fruit because actually it's that fiber slows down the absorption in your intestine. And versus when you juice it, you take away all the fiber and it just you know, goes right into your bloodstream instantly and spikes your blood sugar. And so there's things like that I've done. I don't eat after a certain hour of the day, like after eight o'clock at night, I don't eat. And it's just important that you don't you know, eat that last, I used to always eat a snack at 10 o'clock at night before, <laughs> you know, I'd be sitting there in bed with my laptop and I'd have a bowl of cereal in the old days. And I don't do that anymore. So there's things like that. I've tried other things like intermittent fasting, which is a new trend, which does work quite well. People think fasting is new technology. It's not, it's really old technology. Like every ancient religion has out fasting and the science is, is 
quite solid about it. So there's different things like that. I go to Whole Foods, which is near my house on the way uh, to work. And I stop and get a big giant box of, um, you know, their, their little salad boxes of vegetables. I get some salad in it, but I really just get all the vegetables and just I nibble on it all day long in every meeting. And it just, it turns out you can actually feel quite full eating nothing but vegetables because if you eat it all day long, like you're just constantly getting something. The other part is I spoke with a, a researcher who does a lot of work on the gut biome and he told me, you know, the good gut bacteria in your stomach, in your intestines live so far down that only really fibrous foods make it there. Everything else is digested before that. So you're like, oh, I ate cheese and I ate this and I ate meat and yeah, great. It probably didn't make it to the gut bacteria. And so if you want a healthy gut, you actually have to eat a ton of very fibrous foods, which are mostly vegetables. And so there's just a bunch of things like that that came out of research. But a lot of it's, you know, the normal stuff. Don't eat candy. Don't eat sugar. Although today... Today's uh, a candy day. Today's Halloween. candy day. Today's <laughs> Halloween, which, you know, drives me crazy. You know, a lot of companies are like, as parents, you don't let your kids keep their Halloween candy more than a few days. <laughs> At least when my kids were young, we were like, you know, they'd have it. And then a few days later, we'd be like, oh, I don't know what happened. It got thrown out. <laughs> they'd, <laughs> they'd be so mad, but you don't let them sit there for 30 days eating 10 pieces of candy every day. Like, that's not responsible. But then you buy it for the entire company, right? Because I'm walking around yeah, my office today. Yeah, but then you day. buy it for the whole company. Yeah, there's candy everywhere. I'm like, every why? <laughs> you know, when I, I worked at Google, there was this entire wall of just candy. And uh, I'm like, how is this okay? Like, there should not be a wall of candy in every single micro kitchen in Google. And I think they've changed that now. But when I was there in 2010, that was certainly the case. All right, man. So two more questions from my side. You forgot to talk about your chickens and uh, your backyard agriculture. How much does that run to you per month? I don't know. I try not to add it up. <laughs> but, you know, a little while ago, I, I wanted fresh, healthy eggs. And so I said, you know, maybe we should get some chickens. And and then actually, I was on a business trip and my wife and my daughter went and just got some chickens. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I thought we were going to talk about this. So the next thing I knew, <laughs> we had chickens and then they promptly stopped taking care of them. And it became my responsibility, like every animal, <laughs> every dad out there. And so we have, you know, four hens and they lay an egg a day and I give them all organic. And I, when I wake up in the morning, I let them roam around the whole backyard and so they're eating worms and they're truly free-range chickens. <laughs> and uh, they're tearing up my grass a little bit, which I'm not super happy about. But it's just been a wonderful thing to just know where your food comes from. And you just learn things that you didn't know. Like, I thought you had to refrigerate eggs. And it turns out that for at least 15 days, sometimes up to 30, the eggs actually, when the chicken lays them, have a thin membrane around them, which keeps them perfectly healthy without being refrigerated. It's only when you wash them, you wash off that membrane, and then you have to refrigerate your eggs almost immediately. Or you have to refrigerate them after a certain number of days, 30 days, which just kind of makes you wonder, like, how old are the eggs we're getting at the grocery store exactly? So some of that's for E. coli and for other reasons, but I think it's just healthier to try to, you know, be a little more natural. I never thought I'd be a guy who, you know, was doing backyard farming, but as you, I get more and more into health, I realize oh, some of that, you know, stuff is just a lot healthier. 
and you know what your chickens are eating because that's what you're eating. Yeah. Well, my whole take on it is you talked about earlier, you know, it makes sense to invest in your health, right? So, you know, your CPE, you know, your cost per egg is probably significantly more expensive, but you're taking better care of yourself. So why not? Right. Cause you only get one life. Um, so I, I yeah. love that. Well, actually, and it doesn't have to be, I mean, I'm giving them extra stuff, but I mean, I actually bet if I just let them roam around the backyard and eat all the bugs and the worms and all the things that chickens eat and give them a little bit of feed, like you're going to get healthier eggs just off of that high protein diet that they'll get eating insects versus, you know, eating uh, corn uh, feed like they do at, at most uh, chicken farms. So Yeah. Cool. All right. So, wrapping up here for sure now what would be your favorite business book actually you know i really liked i think he's coming out with a new one but ben horowitz's book yeah <laughs> the hard thing about hard things i read that book and i was like oh my god i feel this pain i felt this pain i have gone through all the things he describes in that book i mean not quite as dramatic as he had but you know you realize i think there. are so many business books seem to be written with this academic detachment. And you're like, does the guy really understand? Because I don't know that that really works when he's advising. When you read Ben's book, you're like, Ben was there. Ben lived this. Ben absolutely understands all the complications of it. And so I think that I really enjoyed Ben's book, you know, largely because of the authenticity of it and the practicality of the advice and being able to implement that advice. I haven't read his new book. I don't even know if it's out yet, but um, it just came out. It's uh, who you are is what out. you do. It's all about culture. Yeah, I think it just actually. I'm looking at my phone. It just arrived right now. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to give it a read. I mean, they're an investor in Health IQ. Oh, great. A16Z, but so I saw Ben at A16Z event barbecue actually that he has at his house and he was just talking about the new book but I, I haven't read it yet so that's awesome i literally just had an email with him the other day he's like oh you know we're trying to book it so if you see him again tell him this podcast is amazing he should get on <laughs> but <laughs> all right you may have completed this level but many more bosses await if you're looking to level up in marketing or business just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs that's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.